Well, this afternoon we come to uh, the third uh, crucial, crucial factor. Uh, before we get on that, I'd still like to uh, review briefly. Uh, we saw that <clears throat> the first, this first crucial factor is God's economy. This has to become a clear controlling vision to us. Uh, and this vision will direct our heart, direct our whole being uh, for us to go, go forward, go on with the Lord. This wonderful economy concerns a wonderful person who is the all-inclusive Christ. He is the center of God's economy. God's economy is, a, is the is the central line of God's economy, and it has a center. And that center is a person. This all-inclusive Christ, who is the centrality and universality of God's New Testament economy. Everything about God's economy is centering around this person. God wants this person to be number one to be the preeminent one, to be also eventually everything, all and in all to us. This is a great thing, brothers and sisters, that God is dispensing himself in his Son as the Spirit into us to the point that this Christ not only would be number one, but he would become our all, our everything. You know, often I'm pondering about this point, about what it means for Christ to be all and in all. This is not a trite kind of a word, uh, a kind of a, a saying, oh, Christ is all. Christ is kind of a, a general kind of a statement. No, God, indeeds, God indeed wants this Christ to be our all our everything. Not only that he would be involved in the time uh, when we pray, when we read the word, when we handle spiritual things, but 24-7, every day, God wants us to experience and enjoy Christ moment by moment. He wants to be everything to us. You know, considering in today's age, uh, you know, we are living in a digital world. You know, nowadays, you know, people uh, rely on, uh, you know, the, the social media. They're on social media. They rely on Google this, Google that, uh, or Alexi this, Alexi that, whatever you, you know, to give them information, to give them guidance. And I kind of, when I think about this, I, I kind of like this as a kind of analogy that uh, today, unfortunately, I mean, as much as we are, uh, you know, enjoying the convenience of all the technolo technolo technological advances, Satan is actually using these things to make these things our all. You know, I don't know about you. I know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, every day you... you uh, you get into a car, you right away, you, where, I want to go from here, what would Google tell me, right? Google gives me the map, and lately, as some people told me about, 
you know, we have these cars now just develop, develop. Even you can just call the car, come and start the engine automatically. You don't have to do it. You just tell what you want to do. You know, it's, uh, recently we visited a, 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 you know, a young brother, and then he brought us to his home, and uh, there he just said, oh, okay, brother and sister, uh, I just want to show you, he closed all the blinds, and then she Okay, Lexi, turn on the light. You know, the light comes on. And then, oh, I don't like this yellow color. I like the red color light. The light, the light turns. And uh, so his whole life is uh, just uh, basically wrapped up with, uh, with this, uh, you know, with the, with the internet, with the computer, with the, and is directing uh, their life, everything. You hardly... A day go by that you are, do- you are not relying on this kind of uh, information, right? And when you need some, uh, have some question, you, you ask, oh, hey, let's, let's ask Google. What, Google, how, how is, uh, 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 how many population, what's the population of South Africa? You know, Google will tell you this. So everything you want to know, you just uh, ask Google. Google will give you the answer, right? Or Alexi, whoever you call it. Anyway, how, how about when you need something? Oh, Lord Jesus, <laughs> what should I do? Should I buy this, right? Or should I do that? Instead of you know asking Google this, Google that, you know Satan in a very subtle way, he is making he through this kind of a uh, 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 worldly system, directing and controlling people's life. Unconsciously, especially the young, the younger generation, they live, they live in this. And it's just so spontaneous. It's so, so normal these days, right? You get into a car, you want, you want this. Everything is, is in your hand. You just live in this world. This Google, this, you know, the, the Internet becomes people's all, people's everything. You can live without this. But if you consider, if we would every day enjoying Christ to such an extent, right? From the moment you get up, instead of t- telling Google, open the, open the blinds, you know, and you say, Lord Jesus, I open to you, <laughs> right? Shine into me. And then from that moment, you just, every day, when you're in, putting your clothing on, you know, wash up, washing up your face, Lord, you are my water, you are my clothing, you know, you are, you, as you're sitting down to enjoy breakfast, Lord, you are my true food, you're my true drink, in many little ways, right? It may not seem to you that spiritual, you know, that spectacular, but any, many little, little things in every areas of our life, the Lord really wants to be involved. The Lord wants us to enjoy Him. The Lord wants us to be our all. So on the world, <clears throat> in, the, in the secular world, Satan is gaining, gaining ground in making himself man's all. Right? But God wants to be all to his people. Amen. So, <clears throat> as we, are, we want to enjoy Christ to be the center, to be the centrality, the universality of his economy, then on the negative side, <clears throat> there is everything else beside Christ has to go. Everything else beside Christ needs to be eliminated. So, in God's economy, not only is there the center, 
of a person. There is also the way, the unique way, which is the way of the cross. So we come to this uh, message three. The title is The Way of the Cross, the Center of God's Administration. I'm sure as a Christian, we all uh, have heard messages uh, about the cross, uh, uh, you know, at at different times of of our life. When I was uh, first believed in the Lord, and I also heard messages on the cross, and I have saw, I have seen the ones who preach uh, the message of the cross, and uh, of course I aspired to, you know, to, uh, to become a spiritual person. My impression about the cross is this is something taught by Jesus, and he was, it was there that my Savior died. It was there his blood was shed. It was there salvation was, the redemption work was completed. I mean, that's why to the Christians, the cross is an important thing. That's why you see the cross hanging on all the you know, church buildings and, and Christians like to wear a cross you know, on the neck on the, as a sign that I'm a, you're a Christian. But uh, have you ever thought that the cross, if, if, if that's all we know about the cross, that is a very, very superficial level. The cross is something very uh, profound, very rich, very deep. It's not something just something you hang on the wall, you hang around your neck, uh, or something you just, call, you just identify uh, Christianity about, you know. And uh, so I, I learned about the cross is a, you know, I need to follow Jesus. I need, I'm a, a Christian. I need to suffer like he did. And I like to take the way of the cross like uh, Jesus taught us. But I really never realized the real significance of the cross until I come into the church life and even not even in, in, the latter, in, in these uh, last maybe 10, 15 years, then I began to see the deep significance of the cross in relation to, to the person of Christ and also to, in relation to his church, his body. I have never heard the church, the, the matter of the cross, in relation to Christ himself. Yes, the cross, I wanted to become spiritual. I know that the cross helps me to become a spiritual person. But I never realized the church, the cross actually brings me to have, to have more Christ, to have Christ, more of Christ added into us. And even the, the cross leads me to the body of Christ. This is what we will see in this, in this outline. We only knew about the cross in a more personal way, how by, the, by taking the cross, learning the lessons of the cross, I can become a better Christian, I can become a more uh, a deeper life Christian. But I never have seen the cross in relation to God's economy, in terms in relation to God's eternal purpose, concerning Christ, concerning his body, the church. The, church, the cross 
is not an afterthought. After man has failed, then we, God needs to design the cross for Christ to die on in order to shed blood to redeem man. No. The Bible actually tells us, before time began, from the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. Even in eternity past, before man ever sinned, God designed, God ordained there to be the cross, there to be the death of the Lamb. The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, verse 8. Before man has conducted anything evil, anything sinful, God already destined the Lamb would die on the cross. And then in eternity future, after Satan's been put away, after sin's been dealt with, on, in, in Revelation chapter 22, right, in the, with the new Jerusalem, on the throne, there was God and the Lamb. Why would the Lamb still be there? You know, the sins are, sins are taken care of. Satan is taken care of. But from eternity to eternity, we see the Lamb is still there. Showing us <clears throat> this matter of the cross, signifying by the death of Christ, the Lamb. Signifying the, uh, the death of Christ, the Lamb of God, dying for, our, for us, is an eternal matter. It's not an afterthought just to take care of man's problem. No, actually, in eternity past, God has already designed and, de- and destined that the cross needs to be there. This is the unique way for his economy to be accomplished. If God is going to gain Christ to be man's all, there has to be the cross to eliminate and remove everything else. That is not Christ. That is not compatible with him. So we see that in this title of the message three, the way of the cross, the center of God's administration. This all-inclusive, the all-inclusive Christ is the center of God's economy. He is the centrality, universality of God's economy, but the center of God's government, the center of God's administration is the way of the cross. It is through the cross God carries out his economy. God administrates every aspect of his economy, of course, the center of which is just the all-inclusive Christ. Now, let me get into the outline. The first point says, in his economy, God gives us one person, Christ, and one person, one way, the cross. Very simple. In God's economy, there's only one person and one way. The one person is Christ. The one way is the cross. You know, in, with us, in, uh, people in the world, we are very complicated. We have many persons. You know, we have, we, we have many advisors. We, we, we consult different, many persons and, uh, to get advices. And also, we have many ways. Many options. We try this way, we try that way. We can get this way through, we'll try another way. But in God's economy, there is only one way. That's the way of the cross. There's no need for you to choose. 
There's not, you, no, use, no need for you to analyze. Just take the one person and walk on the one way. This is God's economy. The way that God has ordained, uplifted, and honored is the cross of Christ. The cross is something despised by man, as considered by man as a, as actually, it's a shame, right? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, was dying there, people sneered at him, ridiculed him. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. What a shame. You say you are going to be, you are the Savior of the world. You are hanging there on the cross, so helpless. Shame on you. You come down on the cross. We'll believe in you. You, save, you say you can save others. You cannot save yourself. If you were the son of God, huh, uh, what would you think? If you were the son of God, hanging there, you would say, let me show you what I can do. <laughs> just to shut up your mouth. right? You, Christ would have just, could have just come down. And just, uh, you know, show him, show, show all, the, all, the, uh, 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 all the people he is truly the Christ, the powerful one. But he didn't do that. Praise the Lord that he did not do that. Praise the Lord he did not save himself. In order to save us. Praise the Lord he did not come down from the cross. He remained there. As the one bearing the shame. As the one ridiculed, looked down at by people, as the one who is powerless, who is weak. But here, one of his dear apostles, the apostle Paul, in coming to the church in Corinth, a church full of problems, a church full of these, comprised of, comprised of these intellectual uh, seeking Greeks. They were very philosophical, very high-minded. So when Paul came among them, so he, he told them that I have determined in coming to you, maybe you are expecting me to give you some high philosophy, how to solve your problems. But he came among them and told them, up front, I have determined in coming to you not to know anything except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. To you is shame. To you is weakness. But he said, but he is the power of God. The cross to men is a sign of weakness, especially to these intellectual Greeks. What is this? What can the cross do to you? It's just to show you, you are just a, just a weak, weak person. Give us some better teaching, better philosophy to show us how smart you are. What kind of option, what kind of way that you can help us to, to, to solve our problems. But you come to just tell us the cross of Christ. But Paul says, this cross is the power of God. And he boasted in the cross. In Galatians 6, 14, he says, 
If there's anything I boast, is to boast in the cross of Christ, that through which I have been crucified to the world, and to the world I am crucified. I don't have anything to boast except this cross, which is a, a sign of shame to many of you, but this is the way God ordained, God uplifted, and God honored. God uplifted this way, God honored this way. This, the way of the cross is actually the highway. It's the highway to accomplish, to carry out God's economy. Not man's way of cleverness, of manipulation, political maneuvering, of any kind of enterprising. The way of the cross, which is the way of loss, is the highway to accomplish God's economy. He says the only way, the one way, Hallelujah. We always uh, only looked at the, the, the negative side of the cross. You know, it's suffering, it's loss. And, uh, you know, and sometimes when we uh, learn, so-called learning the lesson of the cross, you know, we make sure we have long face, you know, make sure we, we are, you are showing others that we are really going through it, we are really bearing the cross you know, really, that, these are all, sorry, is religious concepts. Concepts you pick up from Catholicism, you know, you know on, uh, on Good Friday, for instance, uh, you, you see, you know, they, they still do that. And, uh, Good Friday, I'm not that familiar with that whole, whole uh, uh, routine. I mean, they have people bearing the cross, you know, uh, uh, walking down in, 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 uh, in, in Rome just to, you know, to, to see how the suffering cries and uh, to uh, make sure it looks sad, make sure he looks, uh, you know, suffering. You know, that, that's the whole impression about the cross. But in God's economy, the cross actually is a glorious release. Amen. It's through the cross, the one grain 
get multiplied to be many. God's life is released, is multiplied through the death of the one grain. So the cross is not a negative event. The cross is not there to inflict sufferings on you. The cross, of course, eventually it meant, it meant to eliminate, to terminate all that we are. All that is not compatible with God needs to be eliminated in order to release the divine life. The termination, yes, that is the, that is the meaning of the cross, but that's not the end of the cross. The end of the cross is the release of the divine life through the termination of the natural life. So, in God's eyes, through the cross, it, it, it terminated all the negative things and released the divine life. The principle of the cross is that by the cross, everything of the old creation and all things related to us have been terminated, put to death. Everything. Right? We don't have all the, uh, the time to read all the verses, but you should on your own. You have the Colossians talk about all things. All things have been reconciled through the blood of the cross. Not only you and me, but all things, the entire creation, which are at odds with God, have been reconciled. And the death of Christ touched everything, including all the ordinances, all the rulers and principalities. In chapter 2, in Romans 6, talking about the old man, Romans 8 talking about our sin, and 1 Peter 2 talking about our sins, Galatians 2.20 talking about our, our, our self, and Hebrews, talking, Hebrews 2 talking about our, the Satan. All these things have been dealt with, terminated on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. You know, we all have problems. We have problems, different kinds of problems. We're bothered by Satan, bothered by the world, bothered by ourselves, the flesh, and all these problems. And all these problems, saints, have been terminated, taken care of by the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why Paul was so bold coming to such a church, Corinth, full of problems, many problems. Then he had a unique solution. Terminating all those problems, division, fornication, idol worship, everything been dealt with, terminated by Christ on the cross. Including the persons, the Corinthians, also been terminated on the cross. Oh, this is marvelous, right? Who can solve all the problems in the world today, right? You have problems down here in South Africa. We have problems in America. You have problems in China. It doesn't matter where you live today. There's no peaceful place on the earth today. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's one place that we know is the safest place, the cross. Amen. When we get to the cross, all problems are solved. In the New Testament, she says, in the New Testament, the primary meaning of the cross is not to suffer, but to be terminated. That's not the goal. Yes, sufferings are involved in the, in the, uh, with the cross. When the Lord's cross, where he died, is applied to us, there are sufferings involved because we don't like it. Because certain, you know, certain 
uh, 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 our ways, our preference may be denied, the cross is applied to us, well, there are sufferings involved. But sufferings is not the real meaning of the cross. The real meaning of the cross and the purpose of the cross is to terminate us, right? Is to put an end to all the negative things so that the, the divine life can be ushered in, can be released. You know, when we were in the crystallization study of uh, Ezekiel, um, we saw that in the last eight chapters, uh, of his, uh, nine chapters, chapter 40 to 48, we see the layout of the, the temple compound there, uh, presented in Ezekiel. That, if you see, read Ezekiel, you see the, uh, the temple compound is like a square with uh, entrances on three sides, and on the north, on the east, and the south. And then on the, on the west side, you have the inner temple, right, the Holy of Holies, the whole, the, the, and the holy place. And right in the center of that compound is the altar. Is the altar. It's placed right in the center of the entire temple compound. That it does not matter which direction, which entrances you come in to that temple compound, you cannot miss the altar. The altar there signifies the cross. As soon as you enter that temple compound, the cross is right in front of you. And also, the cross is lined up to the holy, the holy of holies, when, where God is, where God actually, if he was to come out from the holy of holies to meet with man, there he meets with man at the altar. The ministry has a very wonderful uh, utterance. It says, God died in man in order for his life to be released. And man died in God for him to be terminated. So man died in God that all that he is, the natural life, can be terminated. God also died in man. Now, can God die? Yes. God himself, the immortal, can never die. But yet, God, the immortal, died in man for his divine life to be released. It's wonderful. I love this uh, utterance very much. This immortal God incarnated as a man. He died in man in order to release all that the divine life has. And man died in God to terminate all the negative things. Okay. He says, the way of the cross is the way to the Father, the way to the enjoyment of the presence of God. The way to glorify God is the way of the cross. Men would never have thought the way, the shortest way to the Father is the way of the cross. To the very presence of God is the way of the cross. The way to glorify God is also the way of the cross. If you look at the layout of the tabernacle, 
from the altar in the outer court with the laver, and then you go into the holy place where there are the the lampstand, right? With the uh, where there is the first the showbread table uh, with the, the the loaves displayed, and also on the south side you have the lampstand, and then you go forward and you have the incense altar, and then right next to it you have the the ark, where in the holy of holies, from the outer court you're going in. Actually, you see the pathway of the cross across there to for a sinful man to come from the altar all the way into the holy of holies. That pathway is the pathway of the cross to bring us into the presence of God. To bring us to the Father is through the way of the cross, so that we may enjoy the presence of God. And also to glorify God. Now, Roman, Roman numeral two: the holy of holies, the pathway of the cross, signified by the going forth unto Jesus outside the camp, bearing his reproach, and the kingdom, are the three crucial matters set forth in the book of Hebrews. So these are the three main things as in as the content of the book of Hebrews: the holy of holies. That signifies our spirit. In which is the is is the the triune God dwelling there, and also the pathway of the cross that the Hebrew believers were charged to go forth outside the camp unto Jesus to suffer with Him and to bear His reproach. Then also the kingdom, which is the goal, the church life that is the goal of our Christian life. These are the three matters constituting the content of the book of Hebrews, beginning from the holy of holies to take on the pathway of the cross to arrive at the kingdom, which is our goal. Asas he took the lead to pass through the pathway of the cross and entered into rest and glory. He is now sitting at the right hand of God. Crowned with glory and honor, to be the qualified captain of our salvation, that he may bring us through the pathway of the cross into the good land of rest and glory. Christ, our Savior, has reached, has entered into glory, has entered into God's kingdom, beginning from the holy of holies. That is our starting point. That is our source. That is the pouring. Where God, we are under the infusion of the glory of God, where we are supplied with all of God's all that God is in the holy of holies. We are strengthened. We are supplied that we are enabled to tread on the way of the cross to follow our Savior, right? To bear His reproach, to enter, to follow Him all the way to glory. He is the captain of our salvation. He has already broken through. He has already reached there, and today he is still beckoning us. Come forward, come forward to follow his steps. But we cannot just tread on this pathway of the cross by ourselves. We have to start from the holy of holies. It's in the holy of holies in our spirit. There is God's presence. There is God's shining glory. There is God's his his appearing. As our supply, as our strength, as our energy, to strengthen us 
to take on the pathway of the cross. From the Holy of Holies, through the way of the cross, to reach the kingdom. The captain of our salvation is beckoning us to lead us to follow him to go to the kingdom. Arrive through the pathway of the cross. Then be the holy of holies with this rich supply enable us to take the narrow, difficult pathway of the cross. And the pathway of the cross ushers us into the kingdom in its manifestation that we may obtain the reward of glory. So we, have, we all have to start from the Holy of Holies. This is our starting point. This is our source, right? It's from here we are energized, we are enabled to follow our Savior, to tread on the way of the, the, way of the cross, to enter into glory. Now, number three, the book of Colossians teaches us that in the church life, Christ must be all and in all. Everything that is not Christ must go to the cross. Hallelujah for the centrality and universality of Christ. But in order for Christ to be our all, everything else must go. So we also have to say, hallelujah for the cross. Easy to say hallelujah for Christ. But we also need to say hallelujah for the cross. It's through the cross. All the, all the negative things, all the things which are not Christ, can be eliminated, can be removed. Now, A says, I love this expression, the cross bringing Christ to us, and Christ bringing us to the cross. Isn't this true? Without the cross, how can Christ come to us? Can God the Father come directly to us? No. Right? He, is too, he is too powerful. God can never, he is, he is dwelling in the unapproachable light. Such a glorious, holy God. How can he come to man? But one day he came into time and he put on flesh and blood. He became a man. He walked on the earth for 33 and a half years. Then he went to the cross. And it's through the cross. On the one hand, he accomplished the work of redemption. But through the cross, he, put to, he was put to death. And in resurrection, he became a life-giving spirit. So that he can enter into all of God's chosen people. Through the cross, Christ is brought to us. The cross brings Christ to us. Without the cross, there's no way for Christ can be, to be brought to us. And also similarly... It is Christ bringing us to the cross. This very Christ, through death and resurrection, he became a life-giving spirit, the compound spirit, who included all the elements, not only of divinity, humanity, but also his death, his resurrection, are included in this wonderful spirit. As one of the as part, one of the elements of this compound spirit, right? The death of Christ is there. The, the resurrection of Christ is there. As we receive this Christ, who is the life-giving spirit, that compound spirit, spontaneously, we are brought also to the death of Christ. Amen. You cannot enjoy the spirit without touching 
the element of the death of Christ. Divinity, humanity, the death and resurrection of Christ have been compounded into this compound spirit, all-inclusive spirit. And now that spirit is in you and me. It's in us. Right? Through the cross, Christ is brought to us. And through Christ, we are brought to the cross. We are brought to experience the cross in a substantial way. Just, just by wearing a cross on your neck doesn't mean anything. You have the cross in your heart. You need the cross on your heart. Christ, the Christ we believe in, the Christ we love, brings us to the cross. Right? Not just in an outward way. Oh, I'm a Christian, follow Christ, I put on the cross. But this Christ, who is now the Spirit, He brings to us the element of His death. Whenever you touch the Spirit, the effectiveness of His death is included in that Spirit. Number one, Christ enters into us through the cross, and He gains ground in us and becomes our all through the cross. Through the cross, He becomes our all, so that he may grow, we may grow into a full-grown man in His life and have the measure of the stature of His fullness. The measure of Christ in us depends on how much we experience the death of the cross. I think as believers, especially those who desire to love the Lord, pursue the Lord, we want Christ to grow in us. We want Christ's measure to increase in us. But the measure of Christ in us depends on how much we experience the death of the cross. In other words, if you truly want to grow in the Lord, we have to ask, Lord, not only to add more of yourself into me, but Lord, help me to lose, to let go of my natural traits, of my natural desires and tendency. It depends on how much you have lost. Brother Watchman Nee has this wonderful hymn, 635, uh, concerning the contemplating the story of the vine tree. There in the last two stanza, I think in stanza 15, that he says, It's not by gain life is measured, but by how much lost, how much it has lost. It's not by how much wine you have drunken, but how much you have outpoured. How is life measured? How is, how is the fullness of life measured in a person's life? It's not by how much he gained, but by how much he lost. Not by how much wine you have drunken, but by how much you have outpoured. The more we, we lose, the more we let go, the more you have to gain. The more you have the capacity for the divine life to increase in you, the measure to grow in you, so we need the experience of the death of Christ to increase the measure of Christ in us. Number four, knowing Christ is connected to being conformed to his death. And being conformed to his death 
follows knowing Him. Philippians 3.10, we read, Paul exclaimed, saying, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. Through knowing Him, through knowing the power of His resurrection, we are led to His death. Being conformed to His death follows our knowing Him. In other words, if we want to truly know Him, if in your knowing of Christ never involves any losing of yourself, that means your knowledge of Christ is not genuine. It's not the genuine knowledge. Maybe just a kind of a head knowledge. Just a kind of mental knowledge. The genuine knowing of Christ always involves a losing of ourselves. So that is the operation of the death of Christ. We are being conformed to it. That follows our knowing of Him. The number five, the life of Christ contains the element of, of death and the killing power. And then number six, the resurrection power of Christ conforming us to his death. So we have these two points showing us how Christ brings us to the cross. The more we, come, we know Christ, the more we experience Christ, especially to experience him as the spirit, as that all-inclusive, life-giving spirit in which in whom is the element of his death and resurrection, we are able to, by, by means of the power of his resurrection, we can be conformed to the death of Christ. Amen. Now B, the cross must become our experience when we experience the crucified Christ. All that we are, all that we have, and all that we can do are completely terminated. And his resurrection life is imparted through us into others. So, the death of Christ is not altogether just negative. As I said, the neg- the, it is the, de- the death of Christ, the cross of Christ, actually brings in a grand release. The release of all that, of, of all that God is with his resurrection life not only to yourself, but even be able to impart into others. Right? As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, said, death operates in me, but life in you. Amen. Sometimes I, read, I try to think, how does this work? Right? <laughs> here's me, and here's you. And death works in me, and life in you. Right? And this is, how does it work? Well, who is me? Who is you? We are fellow members. We are not just two unrelated individuals. We are members, just like we are members in the one body. One part suffers the, the death, the experience of death, and life being released and imparted into others. In the body of Christ, this is a reality. This is real, brothers and sisters. Whatever you are passing through, you are gaining of the Lord in death, right? Experiencing many of his stripping, many of his experiencing, uh, of his dealing. But yet, 
as one who are connected to the body. The death working, working in you becoming life to others. It ministers life to people, other, the other members. This is the body life. Now, C says, in order to have the proper church life, we need to experience the cross. If we have the daily life of passing through the cross, there will be oneness and harmony both in the church life and in the family life. In the world today, there can never be peace. There can never be harmony because there's no one willing to bear the cross, right? They take the way of negotiation. People take the way of politics, try to take uh, the way of, uh, you know, just come kind of, some kind of uh, uh, political maneuvers. All those are not the way of the cross. If we all know what the cross is and we experience the cross, there will be the genuine oneness in the church life, the genuine harmony even in the family life between the, the, the husband and wife, between the parents and the children. There will be the genuine peace, the genuine oneness. Oneness is a result of all parties being terminated at the cross, where Christ is being the preeminent one, being at all and in all, then he is, he is the peace. He is our genuine oneness. Isn't this what we long for? You know, for the church life, in, our, in, in all the family life, even, you know, the, the, uh, 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 for our country, uh, for the world around us. That's why, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, in Ephesians 2, the, uh, Paul talks about that on the cross, Christ made peace. He established peace, right? And he asked, with this peace, we even need to preach peace to all the Gentiles. Christ on the cross brought the two peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he created one new man on the cross. So making peace. And now he wants us to preach peace as the gospel. Right? Not this, but the peace of the gospel. <laughs> Genuine peace, which is Christ, through his death, bringing together two peoples with different cultures, different religious background, creating one new man. Amen. This one new man is the real gospel of peace. Amen. This is what this world needs. Right? So what we are experiencing, saints, in the Lord's recovery... The Lord is bringing us together, right? We are, you know, people from all races, all backgrounds, colors, languages. But yet, Christ on the cross has terminated the white, black, yellow, brown, red, whatever color. And all the languages, all the races, all the backgrounds. And now we are all part of the one new man. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the real peace. This is the real gospel, right? This is glorious. Okay, now we come to Roman numeral four. Okay, let's read this point together. The, the cross. The cross not only leads us to Christ. The cross also leads us to the body. 
As I said, I never heard this. As a young, young Christian, I never heard this. What has the cross to do with the body? But actually, if you read the New Testament again, you have to, reckon, you have to agree the, church, the, the cross is for the body. Right? I mean, you know, you read uh, John 12, 24. The grain, one grain that fell into the earth and died. Not just resurrect one grain. It produces many grains. The death of Christ is for the producing of many grains, which are grounded, which are blended together to become one loaf, the one bread, which is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the issue of the death of Christ. The concept that I had, the, the experience of the cross, the lessons of the cross for my individual spirituality, is really not that scriptural. And according to the scriptures, the cross actually is always in view of producing the body. Right? Christ loved the church. He died for the church. Not only he died for you and me as individuals, he died for the church. His death is for the producing of the church. The cross leads us to the body. Now, he says the cross operates in the sphere of the body. The work of the cross goes as far as the body of Christ and consummates with the body of Christ. Not only does the work of the cross bring us into the body, but also the body becomes the realm within which the cross works. Well, these two points will require you spend a few hours to pray, read over. I do mean it. It's just to spend some time pray over these points. Brother Watchmanee spoke of, spoke of this back in, in the 1930s, you know, in the book, the mystery, the mystery of Christ. There, I would say, in an un- unprecedented way to show us how the work of the cross goes as far as the body of Christ. That means is the, the, the work of the cross operates with the body in view. I mentioned in Ephesians 2.15, we are clearly, clearly told Christ on the cross, he abolished all the law of commandments containing ordinances in order to create the two, the two peoples, Jews and Gentiles, in himself into one new man. The product of his work on the cross is not just redemption to cleanse, to, to forgive the sinners, but also to, to produce one new man on the cross, so making peace. The work of the cross goes as far as the body of Christ, and it consummates with the body of Christ. And not only so, but now the body not only becomes be, uh, uh, not only brings forth the body, but also the body becomes the realm within which the cross works. Formerly, I learned about, you know, the, as Christian, I need to learn the lessons of the cross. You know, when difficulties come and dealings come, I need to, how to bear the cross, how to, how to uh, uh, let the Lord deal with me, uh, my, my, my temper, my, uh, my preferences, you know, to learn the lessons of the cross. But, 
Now I realize that is more. I was some, somewhat. That is a kind of an artificial way of learning the cross. The cross operates spontaneously in the realm of the body. If you look at our human body, our human body, that death works in our body continuously. Every second, every moment, the cells die. And every moment, new cells are being produced. There's constantly a breaking down in the human body to bring in life. This is how this organism, this uh, uh, metabolism operates to cause growth, to cause a human being to, to, to stay alive. The cross works in the realm of the body. When we genuinely live in the body, the cross works all the time. Hardly when we, when we first come into the church life, the cross is right in the front door. You come into the church life, you thought this is a glorious place, right? Wonderful people who love the Lord, love the Bible. But then after you come into church life, you see this is not just another ordinary uh, uh, church building, Christian organization. This is the church, and the center of this place is the altar there. It's the cross, where everything of you has to be crossed out, right? It doesn't take you that long for you to get offended, for you to feel, oh, I don't quite like the way that person looked at me or treat me. Well, you started feeling a little uneasy. Well, have I come to the wrong place? And you want to find another exit out. But then you cannot go because you have seen enough that this is really, this is really what God wants. So you are struggling. And here the Lord is, is pointing at you, the cross. Your, all your ideas, all your preference has to be crossed out. In the church life, everyone who stays, who enters the church life, who remains in the church life, we all have to pass through the cross. Amen. The cross operates spontaneously. It's just like in our human body. It's, it's, a very, it's not an artificial thing. Now, now I'm, I have to learn the lesson of the cross. I have to learn how to grip my teeth and how to suffer it through. No, it's not that way. Right? In the body... You know, they're, they're, all these, uh, met, the, as the meta, metabolism is taking place, the whole, the whole body is uh, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, there's an organic process that is going on in the body. The cross works in the realm of the body, right? It's not in, as a kind of an artificial lesson, you know, you, you struggle through, you try to, to learn, but you, as you live in the body life, the cross works. You feel limited. You feel, you feel uh, uh, you know, restricted. You know, this is a genuine indication of the body. You know, these days, there, you know, there, there are some believers who will say, oh, the church is too restrictive. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. Uh, you know, I, even, the, the, even in the church life, you know, I have to, uh, uh, people have to, I, I have to, I'm being forced, I have to uh, prophesy, you know, I'm supposed to rest, and I'm supposed to relax, and they ask me, I have to prophesy, I have to exercise my spirit, it's too much, too much, uh, too much force here, too much uh, 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 demand here, right? Well, 
If you look, you know, one time in the, in the uh, I think in the early 1930, when with the book, uh, the, the, the Assembly Life, Brother Watchman Nee, you know, he, he referred to some Christians who, who at that time left denomination to come and join the, join the churches in the recovery, and he told them, you know, why do you come to the Lord's recovery? Because you, you, you don't like all the regulations in, in uh, denominations. In denominations, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. And so they thought, well, we want to come into the churches in the recovery where we are free, we are, we are released. And Brother, Lee, Brother Nee says what? Brother Nee said, no. Actually, when you come into the body life in the local churches, you'll be more restricted than when you are regulated by in, in denomination. In denomination, you have the outward regulation by the laws, by all the do's and don'ts, but now in, in the genuine body life, you are restricted. You are limited. Can a finger just say, I don't like to be always controlled by my palm, by my arm. I cannot be so free to do what I want, go where I want. Right? I'm always limited to follow what, whatever my palm, my arm, my body, this, this body is doing. I'm too restrictive. I like to be free. Now let me cut it off and put it and go somewhere else. I mean, it's stupid, right? It's just a silly thought. How can you, how can it? But, but it's, it's the same way. People think, oh, we, 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 need to be, we need to be free. But when that kind of a freedom eventually leads you to all kinds of uh, 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 germs and disease and death, right? You cut off your member, just won't take that long for that member to, to, to be uh, attacked by germs, and eventually die. But when you stay in the body, even though, yes, you have to go, this finger has to go wherever the palm goes. It cannot go on, on your own. If you are part of the body. But in this glorious body, there is a death, there is a cross that is working spontaneously, but there is also the blessing, there is also the protection, there is also the supply. Amen. Praise the Lord for the cross. The cross operates not only for the body, but also in the realm of the body. In the body life, now B says, in the body life, in the body of Christ, we cannot go on without the cross. The cross will dig away our natural life, our natural activities, and any disproportionate growth. Right? I said in the body life, we are, we are restricted. Um, you know, even our growth is restricted. Sometimes, you know, as, an, as a Christian, you like to grow in Christ, and you like to pray, you like to fast, you like to read the Bible, so you can grow in Christ, and uh, as if you can just grow unlimitedly. Well, if you see yourself as a member of the body, you realize your growth cannot be without limit. Can your ear just keep growing and growing and growing, right? Can your nose just keep growing and growing? Right? You just, yes, I mean, yeah, you, you, when, you are, when you're just born as a little babe, you know, you have a small nose, and then now you grow up, you, you, are, you are 30 years old, your nose is bigger, but it's never that big, right? The ear is never that long. I mean, that kind of growth is monstrous growth, right? It makes you a monster. It does not make you, you know, it, even the growth in the body is proportionate. It's limited by the cross. The cross limits you how much we grow, so that in our growing, along with all the members of the body, it has a proper, 
expression, a proper representation. Life and work, uh, life and work, number two, life and work in the body necessitate drastic dealings with the flesh. And such dealings necessitate a deep knowledge of the cross of Christ. The restriction of the body will take away our freedom and drive us to the cross. So the cross and the body, these two, they actually closely work together. The cross brings us to Christ and brings us to the body. And the body also brings us to the cross. When you genuinely live in the body, we every day experience the cross. Like even Paul says, right? I die daily. I die daily. But as death works in me, life in you. Life in others. Right? There's a wonderful process that's going on. Number four, all of God's dealings with us have been with a view to prepare us for the body. All his work in us is a process of elimination so that we can become functioning members of the body. Number five, if our natural life is dealt with by the cross and if we submit to the headship of Christ and live the body life, we will have the Spirit's anointing and enjoy the fellowship of the body. It's in this soul. You know, as we live in the body, on the one hand, admittedly, we are restricted. We are not free to just say whatever we want, do whatever we want to do. We feel the restriction. How can I, you know, as I illustrate, how can I, as a member of the body, just do, go off and do things by myself without connecting, proper connection, fellowship with the other parts of the body? But yet, at the same time, as we stay in the body, under the limitation, restriction of the body, we will have the Spirit's anointing. If you read Psalm 133, right, when the bod, the brothers dwell together in oneness, there the ointment and the fresh dew descend upon the head, right? And it reaches to the skirt of the garment. And there at the end it says, for there is what? The commanded blessing, life forever. Is there in that total person, right? That, that, was, that was Aaron, that was the high priest, with all the members, signifying the body of Christ. Yes, all are connected, all are limited by where the Lord puts them in the body of Christ. We experience God's anointing, God's fresh dew descending upon us, giving us the, com- the, the commanded blessing, life forever. And I can testify to you, this is what we are witnessing in these last nearly 100 years of our history in the Lord's recovery. In another, uh, in another three more years, we'll reach about 100 years mark since Brother, Lee, Brother Nee was raised up. In these 100 years, what are we? We are nobody. We are, not, we are, we are no, no uh, doctors of divinity. We are no, no big spiritual giants. We are all just brothers in Christ. <laughs> but brothers who are joined one with another, who learn, who know what the cross means, who know what the body is. And here we enjoy God's anointing, God's fresh dew. His power, his authority is upon us, right? So the Lord has kept us, you know, for this long period of time. 
going on, marching forward as a people, which is not a small thing, dear saints. Right? In the last 2,000 years of church history, there has hardly been any group of co- collective group of people, Christians, staying together for this long. But yet all this time, we, speak, we, are, we are not any particular strong people, but we are here because we are in the body. Amen. We live in the reality of the body. In spite of all the shortages we have, we learn to allow, we allow the cross to operate in us and upon us and within us and to keep us in the body so that we may experience the anointing's blessing, right, in, as he is moving and going on all over the earth, right? In spite of us, this is God's economy. This is not man's economy. This is God's economy. Amen. Through the dispensing of Christ and through the operation of the cross, God is carrying out his economy. So let's read together the last point. Point C. Amen. By this kind of corporate living that we can have the reality, the body of Christ. Amen. Okay, I stop here. Uh, The brothers lead us what to do.